When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. I'm Abigail Wald. And I'm Missy Pyle. And you are listening to Raising and Rising. We created this podcast for parents because we're one of you. We get you and we love you. I believe that from the moment that we become a parent, we have a vision of the kind of childhood we want our children to have and a vision of the kind of parent that we want to be. And while we always love our children, we don't always like them or their behavior. We are here to help you reconnect with that original vision of yours and give you the tools to make it your actual reality. Each episode, we talk to parents who feel that they are often getting pushed past their breaking point. We give loving, constructive solutions and new ways of thinking about your everyday parenting problems so you can confidently rise up to the challenge of raising strong-willed children who thrive within themselves, within your family, and within the larger world. On this episode of Raising and Rising, we speak to Jessica Ehrlich. Jessica is a best-selling author and poet. In her book, she delves into the raw and real stories of early motherhood, the moments and emotions that she's experienced herself. And aside from being an award-winning author, she's also a wife and mother of two children with one on the way. So today we focus on highly sensitive four-year-old Harry. Harry is a loving boy who gets overwhelmed in crowded public places. And today we're going to discuss how to help your highly sensitive child navigate overstimulating situations and how to push them to the edge of their comfort zone to help them grow. So let's all give a warm welcome to Jessica. Thanks for having me. Should we do this episode as poets? <laughs> no, we would, we would be. I couldn't do it. Jess, I really love your work. It's really beautiful. And I love that you are taking such a beautiful look at motherhood and childhood yes. and parenting. And um, I am deeply, deeply steeped in that world of the parent-child relationship and in understanding children at their deepest level and making sure that we are supporting parents to both understand what's actually going on, not just the behavior that's happening, but like what's really happening for the child and then what's really happening for the parent. And then my goal is to help you create a life that works just as much for you as it does for them, as it does for our society. Um, and I mean by that, that we are creating adults that we feel amazing about, not that fit into people's boxes, um, but people who are going to go do radical good. Yeah. And what I love so much about what you do, Abigail, and what is sometimes happening for me is just, it's not just the the creating of this, this, you know, this person, but it's also like, we get to be the parent that we want to be. Yeah. And what's been so hard for me since my daughter was born is just managing the expectations of other people and what and their advice and sifting through them telling me what, what I should be doing. The people who are so well-meaning and sometimes love me fiercely. And I'm just, and it's very hard. Well, it's also especially hard when you have 
kids that don't fit into everybody else's Mm -hmm. box, they actually do work differently. And so, you know, you can feel really hijacked by your kid because you had one story you thought you were going to tell, which is the story you read everywhere else. And by the way, like, even that doesn't totally exist. The reality is like everybody's got their own deal going on. But there are, you know, there is a mainstream. There is there is a line um, there that for many people it is easier. And then there are those of us who have, you know, highly anxious kids or strong-willed kids or highly sensitive kids, um, any sort of neurodivergence, gifted. Uh, and sometimes it's just a strong temperament, right? And so, um, Jess, that's why we wanted to have you on because you've got two kids right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. Uh, you said that you didn't realize your first was quite so highly sensitive until you had number two, right? That's right. So tell yeah. us about that. Like what happened for you? All of a sudden you got another one and you were like, oh wait, it's different. Well, I had them so close together. So when um, Harry was four months old, I was pregnant again. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, okay. I know. But the crazy thing is, is that we actually planned that. So oh, okay. <laughs> we were in for a wild ride, but it was around about that four month stage um, that I guess I sort of knew sooner, but by then I was I was pretty certain that um, Harry had, I guess, a particular set of needs that were different to other children. I knew that he was highly sensitive, but I didn't actually know what that was. I didn't know that there was, that was a thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, you know, how people will say now, oh, you're too sensitive or, you know, they just, they don't really understand. Like there's no such thing as too sensitive. And I, I guess like as his mom, I just knew. And it would be things like we'd go out to baby groups and, um, you know, if there were sirens somewhere in the background or even if a balloon popped or another baby cried, his reaction was so intense and sometimes I couldn't even calm him down. And I'd look around at the other mums and the other babies who were all very relaxed and almost confused. And I, I guess I just knew like in my heart of hearts that there was something there. Yeah. And so what have you discovered along your journey so far? Well, it's been a journey. Um, I mean, over here, they don't, professionals tend to not assess your child until they're at least four. Um, So it was really just countless um, Google searches, lots of accounts I was following on Instagram, lots of other mums I tried to connect with to find, you know, I guess... um, solidarity and what I was going through. Mm. Um, and that's when I discovered, you know, what it meant to be highly sensitive. Um, also discovering that I, in fact, myself am highly sensitive. Um, when he was four, we had him diagnosed by a pediatrician. So he, um, also has a sensory processing disorder and dyspraxia. Um, and you know, it really, I mean, as you sort of said before about fitting into boxes, labels, it's not important to us. It's just important that we can understand him um, and get him the help that he needs with the school transition and also to, I guess, bring awareness to other people so they can hold that space for him as well. I love that. And and so, you know, for me, my personal view on this, and you are so in the right spot here, my friend. <laughs> this is all we do. Uh, and you know, um, not necessarily just on the podcast, but in terms of, for me, my work, that's that's really, um, you know, we want this to be able to reach every parent because we really firmly believe every parent benefits from deeply knowing their child. 
Uh, but my wheelhouse is really, I love especially highly sensitive or strong-willed kids or kids who are neuroatypical, even if that's not um, not in any way diagnosed. You know, I think so many of us uh, are in our own ways, what I would say, quietly neurodivergent in such a way that you may, you know, reach 50 and not know, do you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that the more sensitive we get, the more we understand like, oh, there really are so many different flavors and tastes of human. <laughs> and, and so uh, I think it's really awesome that you're doing that. And my, my own personal uh, opinion on that is that no diagnosis should ever be a new box that a person is in, right? It's It shouldn't be a ceiling. It shouldn't be a new box. It's simply like a possible pathway. It's just a lexicon. It's just a way that we look at it. It's a lens that's helpful or not helpful in certain moments. And sometimes it leads us down a path of like, hey, people who work like this often do really well with, you know, interventions like this. But it's always just, in my opinion, prescribing our how we're going to get where we want to get, but never what we're capable of, Um, you know, uh, as much as possible, I should say. And so, especially for us as the parents, you know, what we're capable of, that remains to be seen by life. Yeah. But, but as we <laughs> True. interact with it, that's how I like to think of it. Does that make sense and feel good for you? Yeah. Amazing. And I completely agree. Well, let's get started. Tell us how we can help you raise and rise today. What, what is something that drives you bonkers? Where do I begin? I think one of the things that I have found really challenging is being able to balance both sets of needs um, with both of my kids. So, you know, four and three, um, there's a lot of big feelings, a lot of big emotions, regardless of whether you're highly sensitive or have a sensory processing disorder or whatever, there's, there's so much going on. And I find sometimes, and this could just be my mindset or me being too hard on myself, but I find sometimes that my youngest daughter's needs are sometimes overlooked because when we're out and about and something might set Harry off um, and he has uh, a meltdown that can also set Holly off. So I've got two kids that need me and I just, I I find it really hard um, to balance that at the moment. And and by the way, that happens also with just us and our kids, right, Missy? Like sometimes, oh my gosh, it's not even the sibling. It's just like you've got a feeling, and I've got a feeling about your feeling. Yeah. <laughs> oh it's yeah. So hard. <laughs> we wear them. So I'm going to tell you a little story. There is a couple that I just finished working with in England, and they have two sensory kids, and one of the kids is constantly doing what I call echolocation, where it's almost like he's like a dolphin, and he's always like sending out sonar waves, like, like beep, 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 beep. And he's always like physically kind of like sending out a signal. If he doesn't receive that signal back emotionally or physically, it's like he doesn't know where he is. So this is a child who is constantly pinging out in the world. That might look like, you know, literally hurling into people. It sometimes just looks like emotional. Like it's almost like you feel like you're being poked all day long. Okay. And so this is a child who was needing a lot of that energy. And then they have another child who's so sensitive that any sound, any touch was like 
would send him off into a huge meltdown. And they couldn't figure out, like, how do we do? We've got one sensory seeker and one sensory avoidant kid. And it's impossible to parent them both. And so we were able to get them to the point where uh, literally just yesterday, um, they were graduating the program and they were telling me that it was hilarious because just earlier in the day, they heard some sounds coming. They were watching TV and they had set them each up with their own space to like watch something. And it turned out they have started watching together now because they actually decide they want to be together now. And that they came in to find them and one of them uh, the the sensory avoidant child was getting a really hard massage from the sensory seeking child. And he was like super excited and happy about it. <laughs> and they were like, we can't believe this is possible. Like that's just crazy. Like he couldn't even handle touch of any kind. And so what I want to say to you is I'm going to give you some of the thoughts that got us there. Does that, would that be helpful? Do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's a long process. You have to actually build it. But but here are some of the critical thoughts. Number one, you're not there to accommodate the limitations. And that's really hard because you're like, but hell's going to break loose if I don't. To which I say, yes, hell will break loose. But what we're doing is we're actually um, accommodating to the edge so instead of fully accommodating, we accommodate enough to secure safety, but then we also go on what I call like the yoga edge, where we're also stretching the child's abilities. So I meet you at the furthest point you can handle it, where you're still on the side of safety, but out your at your outermost edge. And then once you know you're safe, I ask you to take a teeny tiny step outside of the safety zone. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? So can you see how you might use that principle in your day? Yeah, I, I can. I think I think one of the hardest things as well is when you're out and about though and you and you kind of feel this pressure because you're in public. And I think yeah, I let that get to me sometimes as well. And I think I have this, I, I realize holding space is so important um, because we're not here to fix things. We're, we're here to to listen and and to allow them to feel. But when you're in public and it's crazy busy and there's, you know, all these stimulants going on, I tend to have this feeling like, okay, just just fix it. You know, like let's get out. This is this is getting worse. I mean, in that sense, I I find that really difficult. So the stronger you get and the more you know what you're doing, the less you're going to feel that way. Okay. Because the more you fully understand what you're doing and I would actually argue with you that we're not here just to listen and hold space. I actually think of us more like a gardener where we are listening and holding space, but we're also pruning and we're also training the vines. So Mm. we're actually doing both. I was curious if maybe we could get a specific example from you, Jess, like of when you're out and about something that has happened. I mean, because, you know, for me, uh, with my daughter, sometimes... She lately, because she's just, you know, now she's six and a half and she used to really get, I could sense that she would go off and then she would just start wailing at me and I couldn't stop her. And it happened a lot in public, you know, I was at the Denver airport and I told her if she wanted, you know, I can, when I get tired and I say the wrong thing, um, she might, like she wanted to get a hair clip and I was like, but I'm going to need you to put it in your hair right now. 
which just I was, t- you know, I, I don't, it, it didn't, it doesn't seem unreasonable in the slightest. Um, How dare you? And then Missy? she put it. I know, and then she put How it back. You say such a thing. I had, I had two. Ba- I had so many bags too. I'm always carrying way too much stuff. It's just the two of us in the airport, and she just starts like going at me and hitting me and kicking me and and won't stop. And I'm, you know, and for me, um, that was so uncomfortable. I was sweating down my back. Uh, I was, you know, trying to just be calm and tell her that she was safe and. You know, and then she'd be like, I still wanted to hit me and kick me in. And I remember just being like, oh, my God, there were thousands of people around me. And I was just waiting for somebody to start videotaping. Yeah, and everybody um, knows you, too. So that makes it a little even Well, they all think that I was been, I went to high school with them or something. It, it was, ter- I mean, I, and, I, and I, I have to remind myself, like, again, what you were saying, like, I'm here for her. I don't give a flying fuck about these people. I do care that this is happening but I you know and I sit I sit in with her for her though what's really begun to happen is my when I calm down um she calms down like that's been something that's really 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 helped me I think we should also have like a public contract that first of all parenting in public sucks and no one should ever be judged on this 15 second or 15 minute like window into my life you know that should just be a public contract we all have to sign Right. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. you know, here's what I would say, Jess. I, I would love to hear your specific that Missy's asking for. So think about that. Um, but I do want to give you a couple of these points. So number one, like I said, um, we are not here just to listen and accommodate fully, right? We are accommodating and shaping should you choose to do so. You don't have to, but I always say, um, you know, I personally find just accommodating to be infuriating personally for me. I need to seek growth. And I think as human beings, we want that. It's part of our creativity. You know, it's almost part of the artistry of being human. We want to see return on investment. So whether you're an accountant, a stockbroker, a potter, you know, whatever you are, you want to create something. That's like what our energy is, I think, as humans. And we want to see with our children that we're not just providing into this like empty hole that you don't, you can't track on an event horizon. Do you know? Like, okay, we're working this project. Like, it's one thing if a child screams every single time they get in water and you're just present for that the entire time and you do that for 12 years. You could totally do that and that could be your Zen practice of appreciation and patience. But wouldn't it be incredibly empowering to take that same child and actually meet them where they are in that tremendous fear and be able to alter that over time? So within six months to a year, they're actually like throwing themselves into the water with joy and looking at you and saying thank you. So to me, it's not about not listening to the current set of circumstances, right? We can listen to the current state of affairs and we can accept this is a sensory child or this is that. It's not that we're changing the fundamental diagnosis or temperament. We're never going to do that. There's no need to do that. But we're also helping that person learn to hack themselves. How do I optimize myself? How do I become the best version of me for me and for interfacing with the world? And that's always my perceptive is I'm looking for that sweet spot. Does that make sense? Well, I, I think it, it's great because I think we forget sometimes that it's not just our child that grows. You know, we're growing alongside them. And I have um, learned so much about myself 
through all these mirrors that he has held up to me. Um, As you were saying before, Missy, about remaining calm in these situations, I find that really hard to do. Um, I will appear calm on the outside. That's no issue. But inside I am exploding and freaking out. and, And I feel like because Harry is so intuitive, regardless of how I appear on the outside, he is aware of how I'm actually feeling. 100%. And yeah, and I know that. And it's like, but how do I, you know, like I do these deep breathings and I, I do I do all of this. I have done countless courses. I still find it really hard to bring myself to a Zen state. And I think as well, as you said before, it's also about pruning. It's about, you know, over time seeing this growth in them. Absolutely. Because you want to be able to see that, what you're doing is is helping them. It's helping them face certain fears or helping them grow. And you want to see um, their enjoyment in that. Um, yeah, and there's a selfish reason too. We want to know that we matter, that all this work that you're putting in on a daily basis actually is mattering and altering the trajectory of your child's life. And that's yeah. a reality that, you know, it's like that doesn't need to be some dirty secret of parenting. You know, mm, mm. you get to matter. Oh, it is. We we put in we put in a lot of work. I, I think the the biggest um, reward is is seeing their growth and seeing how happy it makes them. Um, but also knowing that it's not a linear journey. There's been so many times that we have seen uh, so much progression with Harry, and and then it comes right back, and we're back to the bumps again. And so I think it's it's also important to know that this, yeah, it's not linear. There are going to be bumps. There are going to be regressions, um, just like it is for anybody's journey. Um, But that took a while for me to get my head around because I started to think, oh, look, everything we're doing, it's not working. And I would start to doubt myself. Yeah. Well, tell me when you're there and you've got these people around you, what is the thing you think they're thinking? It's hard because I don't really care what they think of me. I mean, I know, and I'm just going to shamelessly say, I know I'm a good mom. I know I don't get it right all the time and I know I make mistakes, but I know that my heart is in the right place. So they can think whatever they think. They don't know me. It's more about how he's feeling and watching him get to such a worked up state and me, you know, being, for example, like in the middle of a really busy mall and I've also got another young child and my hands are full and I'm and I'm just trying to think of an escape plan. Um I start to get myself into a fluster. So it's not so much about me, I guess, caring what other people think. It's it's just like, what what do we do now? How do we get out of here? Absolutely, yeah. I think it's really important to be real, right? So if you know that you have a child who every time you go to the mall, they absolutely lose it, right? Then there's a couple of different things. One is we're not going to go to the mall and expect them not to lose it because they lose it at the mall, right? So getting super real is really helpful. Another thing that's really helpful is saying, hey, at what point does that kick in? Does that kick in when we park the car in the parking lot? Does that kick in when we go into our first store? Is it three stores in? Is it the moment we see more people? And giving a child, here's a really tiny little trick that's kind of amazing. Giving a child a sense of playful control. So you could, you know, maybe get them out of the car. And let's say it's when the people come. So you guys might, you may play a game and go, hey guys, there's going to be a lot of people here. How many people do you think we're going to see when we turn the corner? Because right here, there's kind of nobody. Oh, wait, there's a person. Yeah. And then when we turn the corner, there's going to be how many people do you think? 
Okay. Do you guys want to count? Who wants to run? Open your eyes, take a look, and then come back to me and tell me how many you think it is. Right? And so now we're actually, it's like a little thing where we're teaching the brain to seek the people because it's a fun game as opposed to you need to stay calm. There's a lot of people here. It's okay. Yeah. And I actually think that would work really well for Harry. Yeah. And so you go, but run right back to me because we don't know if we want to be with that many people. So I'm going to speak his truth, but not in a threatening way of like, we find it really hard. It's just, Mm. we don't know if we want to, right? So, okay. You want to run back and see if it's more or less than last time. Yeah. Come right back though. Okay. And then how about this? Should we feel what it feels like to stand in the middle of them all and not move? Or no? Oh, that's too much. Okay. Should we just take ourselves and we'll hold the hands and we'll just like run in all three of us for a second and then we'll run back out? And you do this, it seems crazy. Okay. One of my sons was super afraid of an escalator. And we were in a mall and we were going downstairs and he just absolutely lost it. We started going down the escalator and, um, he was so terrified. And then my older son started making fun of him. And I said, Hey, it looks like this is really easy for you. Why don't you just go up and down as many times as you like? So I just let him go free. He ran up the stairs, down the escalator, up the stairs, down the escalator. And I was like, go, yeah, show your brother what it looks like to love it. And then I stayed with the younger brother and I just stayed at the top of the step and I went, we're not going to get on. We're just, we're not going to do it till you're ready. Nope. You get to decide you're in charge of it. We're just going to be here and learn about it. So that was the limit I set. It's not that we have to go on it today. We're going to be here and learn about it. That was the edge of the capability that I was talking about earlier. And then I held his hand and we just like touched it as it went by, touched it as it went by. We got on it. We ran back up. We got on it. We ran back up. We put our hand on the thing that moved. We got it back. And then it took about 40 minutes. And by the end of the 40 minutes, he was just going, he was down. And my other son was having so much fun just running around, running around, running around. And I was pretty terrified. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like bothering people on the escalator. I had to keep moving out of the way. We'd be like, sorry, we're just, you know, learning about escalators. Please go. And so finally we get back down and I'm walking out with my two sons and a woman stops me and I'm thinking, oh God, is she going to yell at me? And she says, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I just had to sit down here and just watch you go on that escalator with your boy. That was like so personally healing for me. Thank you. And so you don't really know what other people are thinking. And if you do it, and then it was personally healing for my son because he wasn't afraid of escalators anymore. It was great for my older son because he got to feel really strong and important. And it was great for me because I was able to move it, right? Mm. So if you can flip those situations into opportunities and actually land them, then you feel great, Mm. right? And if you don't land Mm. them, then you go, why didn't I? What what did I push too hard? What did I not try? What, oh, that was, we did it without a snack. We need to eat first, okay. And you just think of yourself as like a citizen scientist, right? Um, And you go, well, what do I need to track that works with this child? What do I need to track that works in this circumstance, right? And then you just go back and it's like, it's all data. It's like, okay, we're going to go again, you guys. Last time was horrible. We got there and we saw like five people and we were like, this is the worst thing ever. So we're going to go, we're going to see if we can just find like one person at a time. And so then we just go and we try that, right? But it's all like done with joy and love. So it's like, who cares? It's like, oh, you guys are going to go ice skating? Cool. We're going to go count people at the mall. See you later. It's like, (laughs) that's your life. But it's just as great. 
It's time, parents, time to finally cross off one of the most important things on your to-do list, which is life insurance. Fabric makes getting a great term life insurance policy for your family quick, easy, and surprisingly affordable. See, Fabric was built by parents for parents to help make it easier to manage your family's finances. Fabric is all online, so everything is on your schedule. You don't need to schedule anything or make time for phone calls or appointments. You just apply online when it's convenient for you. It takes less than 10 minutes to apply, see your quote, and then personalize your quote to fit your family's needs. You might even be offered coverage instantly. No health exam required. Fabric's new lower prices mean significant savings over other providers with great quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. You also get a 30-day money-back guarantee. Wow, that's really good. And can cancel at any time. And their online hub lets you handle all your family finances in one place, not just life insurance. You can create a will, start your kid's college savings plan, even set up a rainy day savings fund. Fabric has over 1,600 five-star reviews on TrustPilot.com, and it's fully backed by Vantis Life, one of the most trusted names in life insurance since 1847. So you can feel confident that you're getting a high-quality policy that is perfect for your family. Protect your family's financial future with Fabric. Apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash raising. That's meetfabric.com slash raising. Fabric insurance agency policies issued by Vantis Life. Not available in New York and Montana. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. And I feel like the key to, I mean, is just giving yourself way more time than you need. Yes. Like knowing who you've got, knowing what might happen. And like, I was just thinking, was you were saying it took 40 minutes and I thought, oh my God, who has 40 minutes? <laughs> you know, and then it's, but it's the idea of like, okay, if, if I'm going to take him to the mall, if I'm going to take them, but I know that it's possibly going to turn into something. So let's give ourselves one thing to do. And one thing I've been doing with Zoe, which has been really helpful, when I know that she's going to have a hard time with something, I really do what you call pre-work. And I'd be like, hey, we need to go get this thing at the mall. Or, you know, I need to go, you know, what do you think? Do you want to go to the mall? Or, you know, like, is that something like, maybe this is the wrong time. You know, I don't know if you can handle it. And she loves to be told that, she loves to tell me that she can do things that I can't. I'm like, I don't know if you're big enough to do that. That's just her thing. And she'll be like, I am too. I don't know. Do you really want to? And it's sometimes even with clothes, like I got her some clothes and sometimes she'll be like, I don't want to try that on. It's way too big. So instead I'll be like, hey, something came from Anna and Elsa, you know, who she loves from Frozen. And I'm like, it looks like it's too big. You probably don't want to try it on, right? And she'll be like, no, I do. I do. Are you sure? You know, so it's just like kind of putting it in her corner, like, and really, I don't know, I'm nervous. What if it's too big and you don't like it? And she really loves that, like getting the power of that. And then it comes out, I'm like, see how big it is? And she's like, that's not too big. Whereas if I'd just been like, here, she'd be like, that's too big. It's yeah. just been really helpful. Mm. So throw that us was- some things. We want to make your life easier, Jess. He's actually, I mean, he is coming in leaps and bounds at the moment. Um, I could definitely talk about some situations that we have had in the past. And look, things change every day. Um, I'll talk about a moment, though, that I am really, I'm really proud of him, though. Um, My little girl had a dance recital. And when he was younger, we tried taking him to a, a Wiggles concert. And, you know, all my friends were going with their kids all around the same age. I think he might have been like, two and a half. So, I mean, he was young. He was young anyway. Um, 
but you know everyone was really excited we got there and the second the you know music came on or even just like the host started talking it was so loud even I was kind of like I started like tensing up inside thinking oh god how's this gonna go and he just completely lost it. So we avoided those things because we were like, right, okay, he's not ready. Um, we're not going to put him in these situations. But over time, what we've done is if we've seen like entertainers out and about, we might sort of walk not too close to them, but we'll walk past. I'll acknowledge them and say, hey, Harry, like ha- have a look over there. And he'll sort of have a look. You'll see other kids interacting. So over the years, we have, I guess, desensitized him in ways, but never forced him. So the other day, um, it was my little girl's dance recital. I said, hey, look, do you want to come along? It is going to be quite loud. We've bought him these sensory um, headphones that kind of, they don't completely block out noise, but they help. And um, he was really happy to go. Like you were saying, Missy, we did a lot of pre-work with him um, because he's really big on routine, likes to know what's happening next. So we did a lot of that with him. And he sat through the whole thing, like half an hour. And he's quite fidgety normally, but he really enjoyed it. And I was just so proud of him. And we made a really big deal about that. Like obviously for her doing this amazing dance recital, but also for him for watching it and you know, wearing these headphones the whole way and getting involved. And it was just really, really cool. So that's just a wee positive I love story. that. And that's such a great example of you did exactly what I was talking about. You kept pulling him to the edge, but still within the zone of comfort, right? And mm. that's how you make huge movement forward. Yeah. Mm. So little mm. by little is actually far more effective because the moment you drag a child over the edge, then what happens is they experience what Missy was talking about, where their their fight is going to get kicked in, right? They didn't get to choose to cross over the edge. So they've been dragged, which means the edge is bad. I don't ever like to cross over edges. And they become a, like a professional non-edge crosser. And that's not what we want, right? Because you've got to cross edges to learn. Well, they have no control, I think, as well. Like you're taking the control away from them because you're you know, you're, you're making them do something that they're not comfortable with. And then there's that whole trust thing. So we've we've been very aware of that. Yeah. And especially with kids who are highly sensitive, right? Especially, um, you know, with all of our kids, but especially because if if you're going to have a really big reaction to it and somebody gets to decide when you're going to have these really big reactions <laughs> before they realize that they have control a little bit over that, um, which they do and don't have, it's a much more complicated discussion, um, you know, then it's it's like really unfair. It feels very, it creates a lot of anxiety in the body because it's like somebody else could always just, you know, make me smell something or eat something or make noises. And, you know, I'm going to have this big reaction that feels bad to me. And that's why children like this tend to shut down and get incredibly rigid because they're gating all the experiences because they learn over time that anything they don't choose is experienced as almost an assault. And so they stop wanting to experience anything because that's where the safety is. And then if nobody's helping them learn to choose to step over, their world gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller over time. So it sounds like you're doing a beautiful job of making sure that stays open and helping him through that, right? Thank you. One thing I actually would love some advice on that I still haven't quite figured out yet is, so we, as you know, have had him diagnosed and we are working with um, over here, it's called the Ministry of Education and we have had a teacher's aid in kindy and there's going to be a transition for him as well when he goes into school. Um, But I find it quite difficult 
when we are meeting new people or potentially going around to, you know, make friends with new playmates for him, sometimes I feel like when there is a moment that I need to explain, I don't want to sort of do this disservice to him though and be like, oh, he's got a sensory processing disorder. Oh, he's got dyspraxia. This is why. It just feels so harsh. Like it's like, no, this is Harry with these things. It's not, he has these things on and this is Harry. Does that make sense? I kind of feel like, yeah. Yeah. And I sometimes still don't really know how to um, broach that subject with people in a way that isn't so like, it just sounds very labelly. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah. So for me, you know, and, and I, I, I look at it as like, okay, we're just humans and we're optimizing ourselves, right? So there are circumstances where it is helpful to have a, um, a diagnosis or a label and to be able to clearly communicate that in a really shorthand way, right? Maybe you're going through the airport and you're like, hey, you know, this child has, you know, autism or sensory processing disorder or whatever any of our labels are, right? You know, and uh, we're going to need to do this differently. That it, it can be a helpful shorthand for circumstances like that. It can be great sometimes in school or when you're dealing with legal situations, custody situations. Um, there can be times that it's really, really helpful. As a child gets older, they get to decide what they want to lead with or not, right? Um, so, uh, you know, I like to keep options open for until a child can make that decision as much as possible, right? Because we don't really know how he wants to express himself with all of that. You know, I have, um, my oldest was born needing to have open heart surgery. So he had a giant, he has a giant scar down his chest and he's had multiple open heart surgeries. And we were very open with him and very open with other people. It felt important on a physical level. Um, And then also, you know, if people saw the scar, like that they wouldn't just freak out. (laughs) You know, uh, which has happened sometimes, uh, very, very rarely. But, uh, but you know, um, I think it's just you get to decide how much of that and you sense with the child, right? Um, our son, because we have been incredibly open with it and it, it feels like a really beautiful experience, like we, we kind of love this whole story um, as much as one can love any story. Uh, it's been a really beautiful part of all of our lives and... Thankfully, he is thriving, and so we get to be able to go through that difficulty and still be okay, uh, which I think is obviously an important piece of that, um, of being able to love that story. Uh, but but he also leads with it. So like he's now a teenager, he's going on a trip abroad, and they're like, what's one thing you want us to know about you? And he's like, that I've had this open heart surgery and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> right? So you know, I think every child is going to be different. And one of the things I would say is when you're meeting other people, I like to go on a case-by-case, need-by-need situation. So if we're at the park and somebody's throwing sand in his face and he is really not going to like that, that person doesn't need to know anything beyond, hey, Harry, are you liking the sand in your face? Because if you are, it seems like this child is really enjoying doing that and you could stay here. And if you're not, you could move. Oh, you want to move. Yeah. I don't think he's liking having sand thrown in his face. Do you like sand on your face? Is that a feeling that you like? Yeah. Well, if you like it, you can do it. And if not, you might want to find somebody else who wants to play it because I don't think 
Harry looks like he's having fun if Harry's not able to speak up for himself yet, right? But without shaming the other child. Like genuinely, she may like sand on her face. Some kids love to put their face in sand, right? You could offer, would you like me to play like that with you? Do you want to put it on my leg? I'm okay with that, right? Yeah. Harry's skin, he doesn't like that. He likes other things on his skin. What are things you like to play with? Do you like water? Right? And so you can help bridge. Does that make sense? Mm. Without making another child wrong and without making him weird and different. Mm. It's just, you want chocolate ice cream and you like vanilla ice cream. That's okay if you Mm. want vanilla. Oh, you brought him vanilla. That's really sweet. He actually doesn't like vanilla. He likes strawberry until he can say, I like strawberry. And then you give him the words for how to say, I like strawberry, but thank you for the vanilla. I was just going to say, one of the things that I do struggle with in those situations, and we have them a lot at daycare, is are his reactions. So he still has, and we're working with him on that, these really, really big reactions. Um, I mean, he's incredibly, again, not wanting to do him a disservice because he's incredibly kind and empathetic and gentle. But if he feels that he's being wronged or even sees an injustice to somebody else, he can't regulate his emotions. So he will just, he will get very upset or angry. And so if that situation was unfolding and there was sand in the face, I wouldn't even be able to get in there quick enough to do that before he was exploding back at this other child. Um, He tends to not, and this is a learning thing I know, but he tends to not be able to walk away from a situation without telling them how wrong they are and telling, you know. What would he do? If he had sand thrown in his face? Yeah. He would probably yell and scream at the other child. Um, He would stick up for himself. Um, And what would he say? And he'd probably say, don't do that. I don't like that, Um, which I would be happy with personally if he was to say that. Um, But then I would want him to just walk away from it. But he probably wouldn't. He'd probably stay there and, and hope that someone would come and tell this child off or, you know, he'd want to see, like I said, he sees these injustices happen and he wants... You know, he wants something done about it. Yeah. So there are two different ways to handle that. One is to be with him and say, did it feel really wrong? Because it felt really wrong for you. Yes. There are people who like that. You are not one of them. No, you stood up for yourself. I'm glad. It wasn't wrong for her to do that. It just wasn't right for you. And then making space for that. And then being with him while he has whatever feelings he has about that until that can make space in his brain, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that you can do is practice with him when he is alone. So you could do, hey, we're going to practice getting something different than what we think we should get. So you're going to come in the kitchen, you're going to ask me for a strawberry, and I'm going to hand you something else. And you're going to say, oh, but I asked for a strawberry. (laughs) And I'll say, sorry, I only have raspberries. And then you decide, well, what would you like to do about that? And we'll come up with three different choices that you could do about that. What You could kick me. That would be one choice. Yes. Number two is you could look through the fridge and see if there's something else you want. Number three is you could try a raspberry and see if you like it. Yeah. And I would have him come up with the three. I wouldn't come up with them. And then you're just practicing all day long at home. So not waiting till you're in the situation, you're practicing at home. It's not quite the same thing, but I'm I'm very curious because this is reminding me of like 
My daughter is very shy and and uh, when she gets really upset with someone, she wants me to go up and tell them, you know, and that's been something that I, I don't, I can't quite find in the instinct place in me whether or not to do it. So like recently she was like, I'm so mad at Olivia. And I was like, okay. And I, and, and she said, I, um, she pushed me or something. And I was like, okay. And she's like, I want you to go get her. And I was like, you want me to go get her? And I said, and I said, okay, well, um, um, maybe you could go get her. And she's like, no, I want you to go get her. I want her to come talk to me. I want you to go tell her. And she's doing that. She does that a lot with me. And I'm not really sure what to do. The last time, this is what I did. I, I walked over to her mom and I was like, Hey, I was like, okay, well, I will, I want you to come with me. And she wouldn't come with me. So I went over to her mom and I said, uh, Zoe would like to talk to Olivia. She's asked me to come. And so I'm, I'm, and then, so it was like, I didn't ask you to talk to her mom. And I was like, I wasn't, it didn't feel like quite the right response. I mean, it all depends on the relationship you have with Olivia, right? So Mm -hmm. I think as long as we're being just as respectful to somebody else's child as we're being to our own. So you could come to Olivia and say, Zoe's really mad. I don't know what happened, but she says she'd really like to talk to you about it, but she didn't want to come over and tell you that. She asked me to come tell you. But it just felt weird. Do you know what I mean? Like, she does that with me a lot. Like, I need you to go do that. And, And I'm not... I know she's not quite ready. Obviously, she would do it herself. Yeah, um, she's still young. Thinking that, you know, they're that not it. now who they're going to be forever, right? They change, they grow That's these true. skills, and they're miraculous. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, they get they change, they get better and stronger, and the more you literally train them, like you know, you would a plant, right? In that way, right. like you know, where is it you want to grow and then let me help you make sure you get the best sun, right? Um, then it's it's like a very respectful servant leadership and it, it really does alter over time and she will do that on her own, but right now she's telling you she can't. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you guys one more question? And I know that we're kind of running low on time here, but I have a, I just had a thought, and I don't know if this would help you at all, Jess, if this is something or any, but maybe somebody else out there. Um, lately, I have been having a little trouble when my partner leaves. He takes the dogs for a walk in the morning and tomorrow he's going to golf in the morning. So it's my job to take the dogs for a walk and... Um, Zoe doesn't have school, so she, I need to get her to come with me. We got to take the dogs for a walk. And sometimes she just doesn't want to, you know, I even took her on a hike the other day and we got there and she refused to get out of the car and it was okay because I was able to like take her home and, but I couldn't get her to come. Sometimes I just cannot get her to do it. And I was hoping you could role play that with me. Sure. I'd be happy to. Um, Would that be helpful for you, Jess? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. So I might say, Zoe, I have a problem. Okay. So you know what? Josh is going to go golfing tomorrow. Oh, I like this. We're doing it the night before. Yeah. Okay. Josh is going to go golfing tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And you know what that means? He's not going to be here. Yeah, he's not going to be morning. here. And and I was thinking you and I have some really fun things you and I could do tomorrow. Ooh, like what? Mm, I don't know. I thought maybe you and I could go out to like a cool breakfast or something. 
Do you like okay. that? Mm-hmm. Because you don't Can have to go thing? to school. Can I get a waffle? Yeah, you get a waffle. Oh. Yeah, but I got a question. Um, we have a problem we need to solve first, which okay. is if he's not going to be here, the dogs. Oh, no. What what happens for the dogs every morning? They go for a walk with daddy. Yes. And you know what? They're going to be like, I got to pee. I got to pee. I left. He went. He went to golf. And I got to pee. Oh, my gosh. What am I going to do? Oh, I got to pee. I got to pee. What should we do about it? See, now I think she would do it. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I think she'd be up for it. Okay. But then sometimes she's like, yeah, of course. I'll take him for a walk. And then in the morning, she's like, I don't want to. Yeah. Well, you must have a really good reason because they got... Tell me why. I just don't want to go. Okay. We, that sounds can, really good. Can, when daddy gets home, he can take him. Oh, no. They can't wait that long. He's not going to be home for hours and hours and hours. So I just, don't, I just don't want to. Okay. You must have a really good reason. You just let me know what it is and I'll go hang out. Um, should I just start making breakfast here? Because I know that you wanted to go out for waffles with me, but we got to walk the doggies first. We can't leave the house till we do that. So should I make breakfast here instead? I mean, sometimes you might get it. Yeah. Okay. I'll go make breakfast. So I don't lose because I'm not attached to her going out for waffles. It was just an idea. If it was exciting for Mm -hmm. her, great. If it's not exciting for her and she'd rather get food, great. She's going to be a different child after she has food than before. So I'm still Uh, up one, even if she says, yeah, go ahead, make me breakfast. Can I can I offer some advice as well? What yeah, I've found, yeah. I don't know how old your daughter is. Harry's four, so this works for him for the exact same scenario. It'll either be I take a pack of cookies on the walk, he loves that, or we play games. So it'll be like just a visual scavenger hunt or like an I spy or just something like that, just to make him more engaged. And for some reason, and I know there might be an expiration date on this, but it works like a charm at the moment for us. It's awesome. Yeah. And I was just remembering too, like that she really loves to bring some of her stuffies on the walk. And so I can just be like, you know, the unicorns want to go for an adventure. Can we bring the unicorns too? And she'll be like, yeah. I mean, I can probably get her to do that, but it will have to be an adventure. You could also dress the doggies up. Maybe the doggies (laughs) get dressed up in a little costume to go for the walk. It might be kind of fun. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and I love that. Those are great ideas, Jess. I really like this. And they also need to sniff. They, they just, yeah. they, always, they always have to, I mean, they're crazy. They have to go smell pee. And then the idea is you don't pee. do anything until you go because you go, I, I'm waiting. I got to take the doggies out. I yeah. know. Oh, you just want to play. You want me to teach you how to knit. I would love to do that project. I just, we have to take the doggies out. Or let's go on the climbing wall. Yeah. Okay. We'll yeah. wait. I want to do, do that. I'm just... Waiting. You just let me know when you're ready to get going with the day. Okay. And then you walk okay. away and you go make yourself some tea and you chill the fuck out. And then you wait for her to need something. I want this. I'm right here for you. Yes. Yeah. I want it now. That's totally up to you. No, you give it to me. I'm happy to. I do have to walk the dog. So you can take a really long time to get what you want or you could get it sooner. Okay, my love, that's cool. I get it. Right now, you don't want to go for a walk. I understand. We can wait. And you just let her burn out. Yeah, that'll totally work. Right? Thank you. Yeah. Mm. Does that make sense to you, Jess? Yeah, it does. Right? 
Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. We're always in a really weak position when we want something more than our kids want it. Mm-hmm. So if we want them to have the waffle more than they want to have the waffle, we want to walk mm-hmm. the dog more than they want to walk the dog. We want them to have the bath more than they, we want to be in the mall more than they do. It like, that's what gets your blood boiling, right? So to go back <laughs> to just what you were talking about earlier, it's like, how do you actually be calm instead of just being calm on the outside is you realize I'm actually not attached to this. Like I do have to get the dogs out. If they go out and at some point in the next hour, we'll be cool. And I can't be attached to like what that looks like. I'm just going to let her arrive there. I know we're taking the dogs out. It's, I don't need to convince you. It is happening. And however long you need to go through whatever process you need to go through until we get there, I'm cool for the ride. Mm, and I think as well what you said before, um, about just allowing a lot more time. I know that I try and overachieve. I need to lower the bar right. and I know that and it's so much easier said than done. But I do pack my days. I, I try and schedule too much in. So I'm setting myself up for disappointment. Um, I think that's that's a big one. Yeah. I mean, that right there is gold, right? So, oh my gosh. So glad you came I mean, here yeah. just to solve your own problem. I know. <laughs> this is good. I mean, I know these things. It's putting them into practice is another thing though, right? Well, look, yeah. all kidding aside, genuinely, I think that is the most important thing is finding our own solutions. You know, we're just here for you to bounce off of, right? Um, because the solution you come to is way better than anything we offer you because it's yours and it's what your brain says is going to work for you. So that's great. All right, my friends. It's nice to Thank meet you. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet so you. So lovely to meet you. Yeah. And can I ask, like, uh, how, do, how can people read your poems? Um, they can find me on Instagram under Jessica Ehrlich, um, or they can find my poetry books and children's books on my website. I think there's only one Jessica Ehrlich. It's a very unique last name. So um, if you Google me, you should be able to find me. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks Thank for you. having me. It's been Thanks. amazing. Thank you so much. You know, I really do like her idea of bringing a pack of cookies. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want a pack of cookies? <laughs> My husband was making fun of me because somebody was talking about like how like, you know, God forbid we give our children dairy. And he looked at me, it's like, you, for the first few years, no dairy. And I'm like, that's just because he threw up all the time for it. <laughs> but oh it's gosh. so true. Ugh. It's just me. My butt doesn't like dairy. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say it doesn't like dairy. Yeah. But she thinks she's okay with it. So I think what's really cool though, is this concept of like how we stretch our kids' abilities, right? Yeah. Like it's not a diagnosis or a behavior that keeps us in a box and keeps us limited, but like, we're like, yeah, cool. That's just how we're going to do this. That might mean we have to spend 40 minutes on the escalator, but it's not our end result. Like our end result is you're going to stretch to whatever the edge of your capability is, which is what we all do. And um, yeah. I think that's really cool because it creates grown-ups who aren't limited by whatever they come in with. It's like you're teaching transformation from a very young age. You're teaching open-ended loops and open possibilities. And um, what a cool thing to be able to do for another human. And also I really liked, you know what else I really liked, um, other than the pack of cookies, was when you said, uh, with the kid with the sand, I really loved the idea of like, next time something's going to happen and how, how will you respond? Yeah. Like if we give you, if you ask for a snack and you get something different, right? Yeah. So I'm working on, working on it later, like coming back and being like, well, that was, how was that? And like, what can we do next time? If somebody does that, what are three things we could do? 
I think we always forget that like when we're home, we can work these things. We can like massage them and stretch them. And, you know, you don't have to be just in the moment of the sand with other kids to work that issue. You can work that issue at that time with you, you know, you can do it in so many different ways. Right. So, yeah, we've been doing that a lot at the, at the end of the night, just laying a bit like, what, what about that? what do you think about that? And she brings up stuff too, which has been pretty cute. Oh, that's awesome. She's been telling me that she levitates at night. I'm like, I want to see Wow. It. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> her and David don't think anything to do about that. Yeah, maybe. And I was like, let's get you into circus or not circus, uh, <laughs> magician school. Let's go to magician camp. Did I just cut it off by talking about levitation? I didn't mean to. No, no. Uh, you just l- l- helped raise us on. and rise us right on up. It's perfect. <laughs> we were raised and ri- rose. We rose. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we talk about camp too? Can somebody, can, is this thing on? Uh, camp is coming up and somebody was telling me about, um, there's, there's just so many camps here and there's one where you can, um, for little kids where you can like design your own clothes. That's pretty cool. Well, that was pretty cool. I didn't have any of these options. I want to go to camp. that camp. Our camp was like, you know, bobbing for apples for bobbing seven for hours apples a day. Is pretty good. Yeah gets old after a while yeah. if your face is your jaw gets tired i just but remember right. camping yellow jackets lots and lots of yellow jackets in the communal shower oh you mean like yellow yellow jackets that you put on or yellow jackets that sting you yellow jackets that sting you yeah that can be a problem. i just remember that i thought i thought you were talking about the new uh the, that show that uh, the no jackets, not that where the girls like what did they eat eat each other in yeah the woods? anyway right it's another podcast that's a whole other world <laughs> All right. That's a pleasure. Again, Abigail, I can't wait to save the world with you. It's it's a good job raising children, right? It's a big job. Everybody needs support. Bye. See you next week. Hey, everybody. We just want to thank you so much for listening. And we hope that we've helped you in some way and that you've really enjoyed this conversation. If you or someone you know is struggling with a parenting problem, contact us using our online form at raisingandrising.co. That's raisingandrising.co. Or message us on Instagram at raisingandrising with your most frustrating parenting questions. We want to help make it better. And if you liked our discussion, make sure to subscribe to Raising and Rising on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. And hey, give us an amazing rating because you know you loved it. And for those of you feeling inspired by this parenting conversation, check out motherflippingawesome.com slash help for a way to hop on a call with me and have a conversation about your family. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.